Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Chris tucked in with the line of cars merging into the flea market parking lot at the track. Are we hiding here? Andy asked. No. Chris drove around the booths to the far end of the lot and parked. I want to show you something. The gate to the track was open. Chris and Andy quietly slid inside. The Downs was once a destination track, teeming with women in designer dresses, muscled horses, jockeys in bright silks, and dreams of easy money. All that was left was a sun-bleached, decaying skin of its former self, riddled with weeds, rusted railings, and chipped cement bleachers. So the Downs is a pretty perfect descriptor for how this place makes you feel, Andy said, looking around. What a dump. Just wait. Chris climbed the bleachers two at a time until he got to the top and sat. From the top bench opened a panoramic view of the city, a sea of single-story adobes and grassless yards filled with beige until its sunset pink soil. Beyond the city were miles and miles of pinion-pimpled coral desert, outlined with lavender hills. Now look, Chris pointed. Do you see it? What, the one pathetic cloud? No, the curve of the earth. He traced the shape with his hand, soft and gentle, like a woman's cheek. A faraway light filled his blue eyes as he gazed at the distance and considered the possibilities of what lay beyond. He gave a faint smile. Makes me feel small and important at the same time. Makes me wonder what God's view is like. After a few minutes of quiet contemplating, Chris glanced at the bandage peeking from the hem of Andy's blood-stained shorts. What happened to your leg? Pothole on St. Francis bit me. You okay? Yeah. She pressed down the corner of tape that had lifted from the gauze. Just a little grated up. Whose Mercedes dropped you off with the covered mafia windows? That was Arius, my boss. He saw me fall, took me to the hospital, and then gave me a ride home. Your boss's name is Arius? <laughs> Did his parents not like him or something? It just means immortal in Greek. I googled it. It's also the name of the priest who nearly split the Christian church in half, the Nicene Council had to be created just to clean up the mess he started. What's that? It's the council that chartered the Catholic Church, basically to take a stand against the guy's weird ideas. He was bad news, eventually denounced as a heretic. Well, this Arius is good news, Andy said gently, pressing down the tape Adams had placed on her leg. Hmm... Chris took in a tense, choppy breath, then picked up a nearby cement chunk. She felt her own back tighten at the sound of his nerves. So, why haven't you called me back, Andy? He threw the chunk down the bleachers. You've never done that before, he said. Gone quiet. It made me feel like I was speaking a different language again. I'm sorry, she said 
and chewed her tongue. He stared at her for a few seconds, then said, I'm sorry isn't an answer. She folded her arms and looked away. So, why? Finally, she said, I don't know why, Chris. He hesitated and said, Yes, you do. You just won't tell me. Then it was Andy's turn to stare at the desert. Chris stayed quiet for a long time, then finally reached in his pocket and pulled out the rosary Andy had made. The cross was dry and reattached. I want to talk to you about this. He bounced it in his hand. That, she said, trying to read his face. This is the nicest gift anyone has ever given me. Chris's wide blue eyes matched the sky behind him. Andy pushed up her glasses. I was afraid you'd think it was a piece of junk compared to the other gifts you got. Those gifts were nice, but this is better. Her mouth twisted. Now you're lying. Not lying. See, what makes it so good is that I know you don't agree with what I believe or what I'm going to do with my life. But the fact that you made this for me, even with all that doubt, just because you knew it mattered to me, matters to me. A lot. Much more than the other stuff. Besides, that stuff won't last. He rubbed a bead between his thumb and index finger. I'll use these for the rest of my life. Andy tried to think of a rebuttal, but for once in her life, couldn't. Instead, she stayed silent, gazing at the oxblood beads in Chris's hand, soaking in the warmth of the Santa Fe sun and the muffled sounds of the flea market behind her. When Chris finally tucked the rosary in his pocket, Andy looked at him, bit her lip, inhaled and blurted, Chris, why do you have to be a priest? Is it because you think it's the only way to serve your God or go to heaven or something? No. Chris looked at his hands. I can serve God in lots of ways. As a good father, a good employee, or a beast-killer lacrosse player. He smiled just the perfect amount to make the joke work. But Andy didn't want jokes. She wanted answers. Then why a priest? And why you? His smile disappeared. I have my reasons. Give me one. The job comes with sweet office space. He grinned again. High ceilings, huge windows. The whole dress robe thing isn't the greatest, but... She turned to face him, her neck flushing and her stomach clenched. Stop it. Seriously, Chris. Why you? Why does it have to be you? I need to know. He adjusted on the bench and folded his arms. Why do you need to know, Andy? She chewed her tongue, debating. Then she finally said, I just do. I need to understand. Incompetent, childish argument, she thought. He stood up, rubbed his hands together, and looked down at her. Then one day I will tell you. She groaned. I promise, he said, and reached out his hand to help her up. Come on, let's get you home. Your wound is weeping. 
Andy looked down to find two rivulets of blood coiling down her leg. When Andy got home, she slowly opened the screen door and peeked inside. Luke sat at the table doing homework. She's not here, he said, without looking up. She took Steph somewhere, but she's pissed at you big time. What else is new? She mumbled something about you being grounded and an advance, whatever that means. Great. Andy went to her bedroom and opened the door, then took a step back. Her bedspread was covered with the shredded remains of her collages, all the faces, things, and places that had been her escape for years. She picked up a ragged piece and felt the breath bleed from her lungs. Beneath it blinked a tiny bit of crimson felt. No, she whispered, then burrowed down to the red, picked it up and rubbed it between her fingers. Both her legs went completely numb at the touch of soft fabric. It was her Stanford pennant, cut to bits. 3.4. Blind Assertion Every night after that, Andy searched the house for Liz's sacred Roby stash. When she found it, she'd emptied the bottles and leave them in the sink for her mother to find. Invariably, Liz would rage the next day, accusing Andy of the crime. But Andy would simply say, You have no proof and I'm late for work. Then leave for the mansion. Liz let her go. She didn't dare interfere with her source of income, not with how bad things had gotten. Andy also stayed later and later at work, racking up overtime pay and avoiding the wrath of Liz. While Chris and the rest of the junior class spent their summer days hiking, going to the movies, or hanging out at bonfires, Andy spent her days wiping toothpaste from mirrors, swiffering unused guest rooms, and obsessing over Arius Adams. The constant parade of the rich and powerful moved through his black glass home. Each client left wearing wide eyes, as mesmerized by him as she was. Whenever possible, Andy made it her business to clean within earshot of his meetings. He talked about his clients' hopes and dreams, something called market share, and rankings, always rankings, first, second, third. Then they'd retreat to his office and close the door. Later, small plastic strips would litter his office trash can, the kind diabetics use to test blood. But Adams didn't seem to be diabetic, not from the way he downed Cadbury cookies every day at high tea. Arius didn't notice Andy much, except the time he asked her how her leg was healing. When she said, good as new, he smiled and said, disaster averted. Then his eyes drifted away from her again. Each week, she took what little of her paycheck she could hide from her mother and put it in an envelope. Then on the outside of the envelope, she'd calculate how long, after paying what she owed Adams, it would take to pay for college, or even get an apartment where she could take her family to get away from her mother. Break free. Years, she muttered, rubbed her forehead, and stuffed the envelope behind her twelve dozen letters to Chris and the set of overdue hospital bills. I can't do years. 
I need another way. One morning late in August, Luke, Steph, and Andy were eating breakfast, and a knock rattled the mobile home door. I'll get it, Liz stumbled from her bedroom. You kids finish or you'll be late for school and work. She closed her robe and opened the door. Yes? Hello, ma'am. I'm from the collections department at St. Vincent's Hospital, and we're looking for an Andy Scoggin. What do you want with my daughter? She slurred. Well, we just wanted to let her know that we've been trying to contact her without success, and that if she doesn't make some plan to pay her bill by the 15th, we've arranged with her employer to garnish her wages. I'm sorry, but we don't finance the uninsured. Payment is due immediately. The man handed over a copy of the bill, complete with a fresh batch of interest. After the man left and Liz read the bill, she turned to face Andy, who sat eating at the kitchen table. Garnish your wages? Andy took a sip of chocolate milk. We need that money. And what is our rule about clinics? Why did you go without telling me? It was for Emma. Her fever was so high, I didn't know what else to do. Why didn't you check with me first? I can get a fever down without a bill like this. Now we're in even deeper. We need your paycheck for basics. She wiped a bit of drool from the corner of her mouth. Andy stood and picked up her bowl. I checked with you, Mom. You just don't remember, because as usual, you were too high to care whether your offspring lives or dies. Liz Scoggin's eyes narrowed. Then she backhanded her daughter across the face. Andy fell backward, her bowl clattering along the floor. You find a way to get this bill paid, Andy, without it touching your wages. We're on the verge of losing power, gas, water, all of it. And now a hospital bill. You clean up your own mess, young lady. Today. Andy's legs felt filled with drying cement as she fought the hill to Los Campanis, each push of the pedals growing harder and harder. Arius stood in the kitchen, stirring his Earl Grey, thinking about how to solve the problem he'd just created, ticking through options in his head. Chen entered and retrieved a bottled water from the fridge. She left angry. Do I need to worry? He cracked open the lid. No, Arius said. What happened? Chen asked. Same story. Different woman. Arius watched out the window as the gardeners pulled up the dying honeysuckle maze and tossed the bushes into a dumpster. Pity. I liked that one. Chen stepped up next to Arius to see what he was looking at. The woman or the maze? Arius sipped his tea, swallowed, then quietly answered, The maze. Chen looked at Arius's fallen face, and a dash of compassion washed through him. The way Arius lived would never allow him to have any form of real love, nothing that would last. Not like Chen had. 
But then Arius's face shifted and steeled, and just as quickly, Chen's empathy disappeared. Is there anything I need to clean up? Any aftermath I should worry about? He asked matter-of-factly. No, she'll stay quiet. She values her place in the world too much to squawk. Arius sighed. Now my only problem is who to take to the awards banquet tonight. Arius groaned. I have to close this deal. I've been working too long to get this client, and showing up without a date in the dress she designed and sent to us will not warm her signature hand. We could have Bobby arrange for a date. No, Bobby's dates are always too eager, ambitious, or legally complicated. And to this event, whomever wears that dress needs to be a simple coat hanger, faceless, nameless. Even though there's a ban on cameras and phones because of the diplomats in the room, you're still concerned? I'm more concerned about prying questions. At the end of the night, my date needs to step out of that dress and out of everyone's memory. Arius shook his head. And, unfortunately, very few in my U.S. network are nameless or faceless. The beep, beep, beep from a delivery truck in reverse rang out across the property. It was a landscaping truck, dropping off fresh sod to replace the holes the hedge maze had left. This was a common sound for Adams. Nothing lasted very long on his grounds, and the Santa Fe fungus had been particularly brutal to the plantings from the party. Chen checked the security feed on his phone to make sure the gate had closed behind the truck. Through it came the young maid in her blue smock, wearing a ponytail. With her hair pulled back, she looked ten years older. What if... What about this no one? said Chen, holding up his phone. She'll stay quiet, and it looks like she might even fit the dress. Arius leaned in to look, then took a sip of tea. Interesting. How do we make it seem natural to her so she doesn't get suspicious and disclose? Chen looked Arius in the eyes. Remember, she's bright and wants to be a lawyer. When Chen met Andy at service entrance three, his eyes were slits. You're late. I know, I'm sorry. It hurt Andy to speak. I had a problem at home. Here are your priorities for the morning. He handed her a list. The first item on the list was clean master bedroom. Chen said, be thorough. No mistakes. Andy gathered supplies from the closet, then went to the east wing and opened the door. She gasped. Adams's room had been ransacked. The duvet, sheets, and pillows were twisted on the floor. Empty champagne bottles and half-eaten strawberries lay scattered around the room. A streak of chocolate stained one of the white leather chairs. As her feet crunched broken champagne flutes in the carpet, she realized the kind of intruder that had created the mess. Was it the woman in the white silk dress from the party? Was she his girlfriend? She remembered the way he looked pulling the strap from her shoulder, then kissing her neck. Andy's cheeks flushed petal pink at the memory. Stop it, she muttered, then cooled her cheeks with her hands and got to work on the chocolate. 
She'd just won her case with the last of the lipstick on Adams's duvet when she looked up and found him standing in the doorway wearing a perfect navy blue suit and mirrored sunglasses. She exhaled slowly. Andy, may I speak with you? He gestured toward the door. She nodded and followed. He led her up the southeast stairs, stopping on the landing. I have a meeting today in Las Vegas. His British accent made the sentence sound like song lyrics. Chen will be tied up, and I have a policy of never negotiating a large deal alone. A visibly thin team weakens the odds. He opened the door and led her onto the helipad on the roof. Chen was in the helicopter wearing headphones. I'm out of time and options, and wonder if you'd come along to fill the bench a bit, Adams shouted over the roar of chopping blades. You can watch and learn. Help me with the process. Would you like that? Seriously? she asked, surprised to feel a smile forming on her lips for the first time in days. Yes, he shouted. Andy bobble-headed her agreement, grinned, and yelled, I'd like that very much. I want to say to you, remember the night, my first date with you, sitting outside, know I brought the blanket too, arm around your shoulder while I cradle you, our first kiss, sorry that I made you wait, just making sure I was thinking straight, too young and beautiful, my heart could break, but let the truth be told, I was just afraid, can't believe you tied me into California, should have seen your dad's face, he tried to warn us, I was ready to jump and still I need to more ya. Then we discovered a love and it was like a storm to us. Thunderstorm, adrenaline racing. We nourished the seed, embraced the raining. Winter turned spring, seasons changing. Mine on the horizon, I just bought a ring. Heart is yeah. never with you. Can nobody do what you do? Cause you know that this love is true. So I'll give my heart to you. The way that you hold me. Crazy in love, tell me what it means to you Passion on fire, can't even keep my cool Cherish every moment that I speak to you Here, I wrote these lyrics just to sing to you I swear I'm never leaving you Cut me and I bleed for you Even when nobody's there I swear I'm gonna be with you I believe in you My heart will always beat for you Wake up every morning just to peep the view <laughs> Here goes nothing Let's start a life together Down to ride day and night forever Loving you is easy It don't take no effort Improve when I'm with you Girl, you make me better I'm committed for life No matter what happens Love your heart, your mind The way you keep me laughing A little less talk And a lot more action Meet you behind the scenes Close caption Honest <laughs> with you Can nobody do what you do Cause you know that this love is true So I'll give my heart to you The way that you hold me I'll be yours forever The way that you love me So let my to you soak up all my time with you. Soak up all my time with you. You are, you are, you are 
Now there is a life in you. Now there is a life in you. Tell us what we're